Detweiler, and I invite you to come and join me as we take a pause in our busy day and pursue soul care as we allow our bodies to slow down and our minds to be renewed with goodness, truth, and hope. This is PRN. Pause. Renew. Next. Hi, friends. I'm glad that you're joining me today as we continue our conversation about burnout recovery and building resilience. Today, we're going to be talking about triggers, learning to understand what they are, how they can differ from person to person, and beginning to recognize and better understand them. But first, I would love for us to take a short pause and allow our brains and bodies to slow down. Your day has probably been fast-paced, and this is one moment in your day that you're being given permission to rest. So let's just take a few deep breaths together. Inhale slowly through your nose. Then exhale. You can even close your eyes if you want. Inhale. And exhale. One more time. Inhale. And exhale. If you need to continue, just pause the podcast and take a few more deep breaths. Today, I want to talk about triggers with you because the word trigger is tossed around so much in the mental health field. Chances are you've seen it passed around social media as well, on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. You may think you know exactly what it means, but to make sure we're all on the same page, I want to define it together. I'm using a definition found on the National Alliance on Mental Illnesses website. A trigger, sometimes referred to as a stressor, is an action or situation that can lead to an adverse emotional reaction. In other words, it's a stimulus that elicits an uncomfortable or negative emotional response in us. Triggers always cause reactions in us, but very often they're not ones that we take time to notice or reflect upon. In fact, triggers can very often send us into a fight or flight or stress kind of reaction. They activate our internal safety mechanisms. For that reason, it's really helpful and important to understand what they are and how they work. Triggers can come from a variety of sources. One is through sensory overstimulation. If you are a person who's easily startled or for whom excess noise can cause anxiety, then a room full of loud noises or a house full of chaotic children or a large crowd of people at a concert might very well be a trigger for you. It's a signal that your body is getting too much stimulation. You might have a flight response and want to leave the room, or you might find yourself getting irritable, which could be a fight response. The same could be true for smell or touch or visual stimulation. Some of how we each process triggers differently is due to how we are each individually wired, due to personality or from our own personal histories and triggers differ widely from person to person based on these factors. Our own personal histories, our stories, our memories, and our traumas are all unique. So what is a trigger for one person may not cause any distress at all to the person next to them. 
This leads me to talk about memory for a moment and how memory affects our triggers. Believe me, no trigger is random. Our minds and bodies are extraordinary in their ability to remember and to keep us safe. It really is amazing how the Lord has made us. Memories can be broken down into two types, explicit memories and implicit memories. Explicit memories are ones in which you have a specific scenario or image to go with it. For instance, right now, if I ask you to recall your fourth grade teacher, you probably have a name and a picture that popped into your mind immediately. You might remember your classmates, the room, or a particular day of your fourth grade year. That is an explicit memory. However, the majority of our memories are encoded as implicit memories. That means our body has processed the information, the sensations we experienced, the emotions we experienced, and the survival lessons we needed, and maybe even strategies that we needed from that experience. But we may not have an actual image to go with it. We actually begin coding implicit memories in the womb. Explicit memories are not formed until early childhood. That's why you can't remember things from when you were one, but your body and lower brain sure do remember things from that age. This is why trauma memories are so tricky. Our bodies remember how to keep us safe and how to survive, even when we don't remember the story that went with it. No, not every trigger is due to trauma. The majority of our lives are not traumatic, but our basic instincts and reactions are very much driven by our implicit memories and our lower brains drive towards survival. So rather than seeing triggers as something to avoid, I want to flip the script and instead encourage you to get curious about your own triggers. When you have a knee-jerk emotional reaction to something, before fully carrying out your response, take time to get curious. Or even after the fact, when you can think clearly, observe your own reaction. You might ask yourself, wow, where did that come from? What was it that person said or did that made such a strong response in me? What was my initial reaction or response? What did I feel like I wanted to do in that moment? Survival mode is always about instinct and response. That's what triggers elicit, survival reactions. You might find yourself recoiling, jumping, startling, running, yelling, hitting, or escaping. Even if you don't actually do those things, you might notice that your initial reaction was to want to do those things. Very often, little children who've not yet been taught to temper their behaviors really will act out those impulses. They will bite, yell, hit, throw, or run away. Sometimes as adults, we do too, right? Just not as often. It is an understanding that our bodies are wired for survival, that our responses are not random, that our lower brains and bodies are remembering times in the past when we were in danger or overwhelmed and are trying in this moment to protect. It is an understanding all of that, that we can begin to have compassion for ourselves and others. Rather than judging ourselves, rather than only reacting and feeling shame for our reactions, we can begin to get curious about our own triggers and our own reactions to them. We can begin to have compassion for the reactions of those around us as well. As we begin to be good students, and study ourselves, we can begin to have compassion for ourselves and get curious about our own triggers. 
and then we might begin to put plans in place to protect ourselves from some of those triggers or to compensate for them. If you know that loud noises overwhelm you, maybe bring noise-canceling headphones or plan for 30 minutes of quiet on the way back home from the concert to help your brain calm back down. If you know that certain tones of voice or conflicts cause you distress and trigger you, then you can begin to talk to your loved ones about changing the way that they engage in conflict with you, or at least begin to temper how you respond to it. In those ways, and believe me, there are plenty others, go talk to a good therapist if you want more tools. You can begin to build resilience. In understanding ourselves and being observant and curious, rather than simply reacting, we can begin to widen our window of tolerance. If you don't remember the window of tolerance, I had a good episode about that last spring, and I will link to that in today's show notes. And not only that, but next week, we're going to talk about the opposite of a trigger, a glimmer, and we'll talk about where we can find them. So I hope you'll join me back here next week to continue that conversation. For now, as we prepare for what comes next in our day, I want to leave you with a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Thank you.